Um, if you've just joined us kind of midway through the series, we're doing a series called Joy on the Journey. Uh, I don't know if you know, the book of Philippians is full of rejoice in the Lord and talking of joy and cheer and gladness. It's a book of joy. And uh, we just felt after the last couple of years that all of us need a bit more joy in our lives, don't we? <laughs> you know, what it's been like, we, we want to be a people who know the joy of the Lord and who live it out. And so we're exploring that in the book of Philippians and thoroughly enjoying it. Um, Paul, in this passage, is going to be using uh, a sports analogy. So I've gone to town on the sports analogy and indulged myself in some historic um, kind of sports stuff. And uh, I'm going to exaggerate the point for the, for the sake of the passage and preaching it. No, everything I'm saying is not quite as it is, but uh, it kind of it'll help make make the point. Although the basis of it is true. Um, t- let me take you back to when I was nine years old on the 9th of July, 1994, when I was a very young boy, and I was swam for a club called uh, Sully Hole Swimming Club. And every year at Sully Hole Swimming Club, the big thing each year was the club championships. Oh. Yeah, I can feel your uh, anticipation. You can feel the, yeah. It was, a, it was generally for a young, for a, for us boys. It was a uh, and girls. It was a, it was a big event. We all kind of built up for it. It's what we trained hard for. And the big race that year was the one length sprint, freestyle sprint. Um, Tom had won it the year before. Matt was expected to win it this year. We all trained with each other, so we knew who was the fastest. Matt was expected to smash the record and take gold. And so we're all gearing up for it in training. The aim is hit the wall first, win the trophy, get the gold medal. There were scouts from, you know, City of Birmingham Swimming Club come and watch us because they're going to nick some of us for their squad at the end of it. Are you feeling the anticipation? Have I kind of got you there yet? You know, yeah, you, you look very chilled about it. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think you understand how much was at stake here. Um, but this, this, is, this, this was the big race. And uh, they used to queue us up, and we'd all be sat next to each other. We trained with each other. We were friends, and we hung out all the time. But in that moment, you're about to race against each other, and it goes all odd. <laughs> you pretend like you don't really know each other. You're trying to psych each other out. You're kind of getting you know, focused, rerunning the race through your mind. Um, you're focusing on the goal. I've got to touch that wall first. I remember I was in lane two and uh, got on the blocks, I know it's difficult to believe this is actually real. I don't look like somebody who moves quickly through water, but once upon a time, I did. And so I'm on the blocks in lane two, and I get a great start, um, no false starts. And uh, I remember straining every nerve, kicking in the way that you can't really feel your feet because you're doing it so hard. And I remember seeing my arms come over, and I remember thinking, I think I'm about, he's probably up to my shoulder. And I could see a couple of lanes across. And I thought, I'll breathe to my right, and then I'd breathe to my left. Uh, my left. And then, <laughs> I was nine, so it's different. I'd breathe to my right. And I think I'm there. I think I'm going to win this. And in the end, I touched the wall. Burst! Oh. There, thanks for indulging me. Um, and I hit the wall first. I won gold medal, got to stand on top of the podium in first place. They give me the trophy. Yes. Won the trophy, won the prize. And uh, that was all very exciting. I actually kept it. There you go. Boys, nine years. Ninth of the seventh of 94. One length freestyle first. James Wilson. Oh, I know. 
And uh, it's the only gold I've ever won in my life, so I've kept it in a box in my office. And I was able to pull out this morning for the sake of illustration, and I, I got the record. 23.52 for 36 and two-thirds yards, which is not really a distance anymore. So the record has been retired to f- exist forever and can now never be broken. Um, that, that is my childhood glory. There you go. Thanks for indulging me. And there were three things that are in the passage and uh, that relate to that race that um, enabled me to, to, to reach the goal of hitting the wall first and winning the prize. That was focusing on one thing. Focusing on one thing. Reaching the goal, winning the prize, standing on top of the podium, gold medal, trophy in hand, and record with it. Second thing was giving everything for the goal. Straining every nerve to touch the wall first, pressing on towards it. And the third thing was um, having the right mindset for training leading up to it. So should we read the passage together? And uh, we'll see what Paul has to say about this. Uh, Verse 12, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He says this, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, um, but... I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is in their belly. And uh, they, they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I long love and long for my joy and crown stand firm thus in the lord my beloved stand firm thus in the lord my beloved so it'd be helpful to think about wouldn't it what paul means in verses uh, 12 to 14 and understand what he means by not that i have already obtained it nor i'm already perfect but I, i press on to make it my own What's he talking about? What does he mean when he talks about leaving things behind and forward? What is behind? What's forward? What's the goal and prize? And so on. And um, Paul's kind of talking, uh, um, this is quite helpful to understand what Paul's talking about. You might have seen a diagram like this before. It kind of explains the idea that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is now, but it's also not yet. And so um, uh, this is time here, and this is the age to come. Uh, when heaven meets earth. The kingdom inauguration is when Jesus uh, comes and dies on the cross and rises again. His kingdom is established. Jesus comes to preach the gospel of the kingdom, doesn't he? He says the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is near. The kingdom has arrived and been established 
in the Old Testament, it's being anticipated and prophesied about and leading up to. When Jesus arrives, the kingdom is established, it's inaugurated. And then we live in this time period here, this is the last 2,000 years, where um, uh, it's kind of the the age of the church, if you like. It's uh, the kingdom is now, but it's also not yet fully consummated and complete. That's going to come when Jesus returns again, when heaven comes down to earth and his kingdom is uh, consummated on the earth and complete. Um, There's another diagram here that kind of uh, helps us see it in a slightly different way, in that Jesus uh, brings heaven down, establishes his kingdom, and then uh, at Jesus' baptism, remember that what happens at Jesus' baptism? The heavens are opened to him. Heaven coming down to earth. And we pray, Lord, your kingdom come. So we're praying for God's kingdom to come on earth. But looking forward to and anticipating a time when heaven and earth will meet. There'll be the new heavens and the new earth. Another one that's actually pretty helpful, I think, is that the kingdom is anticipated in the Old Testament. Jesus comes. um, There's D-Day, if you like. The war has been won. Jesus says on the cross it is finished. And yet we live in the now and the not yet. Jesus has won the victory, but it's not been fully consummated. It will be consummated and complete when uh, Jesus comes again. Um, There's still a battle going on, but the war has been won. So when Paul's talking about... Um, you know, I haven't already obtained it. That's uh, what he's talking about. He's talking specifically about the resurrection from the dead. And so you might have sometimes found it a little bit confusing when you read the Bible, because sometimes the Bible talks about as if something has happened in the past. Then sometimes it says it's like it's happening in the present and like it's going to happen in the future. So, for example, with resurrection, have a listen to these verses. These are probably ones you might have heard of. Colossians 3.1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ, i.e. in the past. When Jesus rose from the dead, on the diagram, you have been raised with him. Okay, when he, we were raised with him. We are already raised with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly places. It has already happened. Heaven is our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. Paul uses that language in the passage, doesn't he? Well, what about this, though? In the present, Romans eight eleven. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the d- dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you, i.e., God is doing a resurrecting work in our lives, giving life to our mortal bodies now in the present. Heaven is coming down to earth and we're being raised. Then it also speaks about it in the future. 1 Corinthians 6.14 And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. There's coming a time when Jesus returns and he raises us from the dead and we have a resurrection body that's exactly like his. So you see, with resurrection, it's every theme in scripture. You'll find something in the past, something in the present now, and something in the future because the kingdom is now, it is, has happened it is happening, but it will also happen. <laughs> and so you can read the Bible sometimes and think, wow, I'm a bit fuddled by that, and totally um, understandably. So that's the kind of dynamic that Paul is writing about when he writes this passage, and that's kind of just a bit of helpful background to help us think about what he's saying here. And as a journey, we've called this series Joy on the Journey because we're journeying somewhere, aren't we? 
we're journeying to the point when Jesus returns, heaven meets earth, there's a new heavens, a new earth, and we live on it with him in resurrection bodies. We're journeying to that point, and we want to have joy reaching that point, don't we? We know that that's going to be a really joyful moment. He returns, that's going to be, we're going to know him face to face. Uh, but we want to have joy getting there, don't we? We're not miserable so-and-so. It's just something, oh, I'm just going to like, model my way through and just have to like, stick it out until we get there. We want to have joy on the journey and be like an athlete or a swimmer. Um, we want to have our eyes on the prize and find our joy in the glory of the prize that's coming, which would be a lot better than that trophy, which is kind of half falling apart. Um, so the first thing is, we focus. How do we have joy in the journey then, in the now and the not yet, and living in the in-between? The first thing is we focus on one thing, the prize. When I was swimming that race, the focus was the goal. Touch the wall first. In a race, nothing else matters, does it? I'm not thinking, what am I going to have for dinner that night? I'm not thinking about whether one of the girls fancies me in the swim team or not. Those things aren't important. The goal is touch the wall first. That's the only thing that matters. I don't care if you come out of the water fourth, but think I had a really lovely time thinking about X. You know, the focus is one thing. I must touch the wall first. Why? Because I need to win the prize. This glorious thing has lived in my box for 30-something years. Yeah? Because it's the prize. The prize. Focus on one thing and Paul talks about in verses 12 and 13 how he's living in between the now and the not yet Jesus has made him his own but he hasn't reached the point of knowing Jesus fully we don't know him face to face do we 1 Corinthians talks about how we see in a mirror dimly and the one thing the prize the one thing that Paul is talking about is focused on this the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus the prize is knowing Jesus isn't it? That's the joy of the Christian life, knowing the Lord Jesus. And the prize is knowing him without any limitation, not seeing him in a mirror dimly, but seeing him face to face, knowing him fully, enjoying his love for us without any kind of complications, any confusion, without any obstacle, without anything getting in the way, pure, unadulterated love of Jesus Christ for us, there in face to face. That's the prize, isn't it? That's the joy of the Christian life. Um, maybe uh, uh, if you're not a Christian here today and you think, Cause, does that mean you kind of have to, if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to be a bit loopy and a bit of a nutcase? You know, Jesus loves me on my t shirt, sticker on my door. Um, everything I say is kind of sounds religious y. Uh, does it have to be like that? Isn't quite what Paul is getting at. We don't have to disengage from reality and uh, always smile. But he is saying that focus on the one thing, the prize, knowing Jesus. This is what um, David's focus was in the Old Testament. Psalm 27 verse 4 says this, one thing, says the same thing, one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. As humans, made in the image of God, we've been made with a capacity to enjoy beauty, haven't we? We see it around us. We can recognize it. We can enjoy it and rejoice in it and celebrate it. It comes naturally to us. 
You know, you can remember when you were a teenage boy or girl, noticing beauty was easy, wasn't it? It was fairly natural. You notice it around you, it kind of consumes your thinking. Maybe that's just me. Um, if we're out uh, walking in nature, we see the beauty around us, don't we? We're made to recognize, we're hardwired to rejoice in beauty all around us. My daughter, who's three, uh, was reminding us of a holiday we had a year ago. And she was describing a walk we went on through a farm where we saw sheep and picked up their wool. And she played in a river, uh, Ert, I think it's called, near Wastwater in Cumbria. And then we walked through a forest with bluebells and out into this space where you could see Scarfell Pike and Wastwater. And it's just, it's my favourite place in the, in the UK. It's just a beautiful, beautiful place. And she was going, I remember that. That's a year ago when she was two and a half. Because there's something about beauty, isn't there? When you reckon it just oh, it takes your breath away. And you remember it. Um, and we have moments like that with God, don't we? We experience God's beauty directly in Jesus. Because he's the exact representation of beauty. He's exactly what God is like. And the beauty of God takes your breath away, doesn't it? Just like a beautiful view or your husband or wife takes your breath away, doesn't it? You can probably remember moments maybe of just where you saw something just, wow, wow. And we have that with God, don't we? We get glimpses of beauty of God that just take our breath away and you remember. And I bet you can think of right now times when God has met you and you thought, whoa, you saw something Beautiful, just like Florence remembered Wasdale. The temptation is, when you're swimming though, is to look over and be distracted by your competitors. So when I'm rating that race, the temptation is to think, uh, oh, where are the others? Unfortunately, I could catch him out at the corner of my eye in lane four, Matt Siegler, going to beat him. Yeah, but I could get distracted, couldn't I? In fly, what I used to do when I did 200 fly, I, I can't do that anymore. There was a time when I could do 200 meters fly sprinting. We go out a bit easier. Some racers would just charge off. 200 metres, let's go full full whack, and I'll just die at the end and hope I hit the wall at a decent pace. And I used to think, that sounds like a lot of effort. I'm going to go out a bit gentler. Sometimes I'd eat a bit heavier for lunch, just to force me into that. I'd go out gently, do the first 150 metres fly, a steady pace. And then when I hit the final wall, and did the last 50, I'd smash it and chase down the guys who are in front of me who are all flagging like this. And I'm like, oh, I've still got it. Um, it didn't always work. Um, but um, you can get distracted, can't you? If I look and think, gosh, they're 20 metres ahead. How on earth am I ever going to catch them? You lose focus, don't you? And you struggle to kind of keep your eye on the goal and winning the prize. And there's temptation all around us, isn't there, to focus our attention on secondary beauty, Things that aren't the beautiful one, like we sang this morning, but are beautiful things. The beautiful things get their beauty from the beautiful one, from God himself. And so we can get distracted by those things, and they can become our one thing. And they can, become good, they can be good things, like peace in our family, on our home relationships. It can be comfort of our lifestyle. It can be wealth and choice. It can be status and significance in our work or in our play. It can be the achievement of doing something. It can be feeling loved 
and appreciated by somebody else. It can be the pursuit of happiness. All these things are beautiful things, but they're not the one thing. They're not the beautiful one that our attention is meant to be on. And Paul writes of people who get distracted, doesn't he? In verses 18 to 19, with tears in his eyes, he remembers those who sought pleasure elsewhere, who looked for beauty elsewhere, took their eyes off Jesus and made earthly things their focus, their relationships, their wealth, their possessions, their happiness here in the moment. They set their minds on earthly things. And friends, it can happen to any of us, can't it? None of us are kind of out of the woods on this one. There's things in the world that are always trying to grab our one thing, attention and focus. They're always trying to kind of get our attention. Fyodor Dostoevsky says this, Beauty is the battlefield where God and Satan contend with each other for the hearts of men and women. So that again, beauty is the battlefield where God and Satan contend with each other for the hearts of men and women. So what are you tempted to be distracted by? What kind of things of secondary beauty that are good are you tempted to make the one thing that's your life's focus in place of God in Jesus? What dominates your life's focus sometimes and takes your attention off him? Friends, let's keep the one thing, the prize, the real prize, knowing Jesus Christ himself, the beautiful one. Let's not kind of be content with earthly things and setting our mind on them. They won't satisfy us like the beautiful one will. In him there is true, unlimited and complete joy. Maybe you're not Christian here this morning and you kind of, you know, the focus of your life has been something earthly, but frankly it's just disappointed. It's just not lived up to expectations. Maybe the joy that you gained from it has ran dry. Then can I encourage you, make Jesus Christ your, your one thing in life, your prize, because he will not disappoint. He won't let you down. He is coming back again, and he'll make your joy complete. Uh, the second thing is strain towards the goal. How can we make God in Jesus, our focus and our one thing? How can we make him the prize? Paul talks about forgetting what lies behind, strain forward, press on towards the goal. So when you're swimming, you strain everything to get towards the goal. Like when you're flat out sprinting, if, I mean, I don't really remember exactly what that's like, but uh, in the distant past, you give literally everything, don't you? You know, you're squeezing every sinew, every nerve, every muscle to get towards the goal, kicking hard, arms going round like crazy, trying not to breathe. <laughs> you just give everything, don't you? The goal, got to get to the goal, and you strain uh, towards it. And the goal in the passage is the full realisation of the not yet. It's Jesus' return. It's the conclusion of this life, the completion of God's heaven, uh, God's kingdom. Heaven coming down to earth. Our bodies resurrected to live on the new earth with the Lord Jesus, our prize. And so we give, what Paul's saying is give everything. Every nerve, every energy, every sinew, every effort, every muscle, every, everything you can give to reach that goal. That's that's the thing. That's what helps us make Jesus the one thing is give everything to that. And the temptation is when 
uh, you're racing in a in a swim race and you lose focus is you t- you think you look back and you think oh I used to do this in races all the time that start wasn't great I kind of oh I slipped on the wall I do that all the time you flip you do your tumble turn you kick off the wall your foot slips slightly and you don't quite get the push that you were anticipating or maybe I choked on a wave or I didn't do enough fly kicks on the wall coaches always say <laughs> I'm swimming again at the moment. And uh, the other day I was doing, I kicked off the wall and on backstroke and the coach did this in my face from the sideline. Which was basically, James, stop being a lazy so-and-so and kick your legs off the wall. And I'd look back and think, I didn't kick hard enough off the wall. I haven't got the spring off it. Um, or maybe I wasn't concentrating on my fingers tight enough or I didn't get a high enough catch or I didn't pull my arm and catch early enough and I let my arm sink so I didn't get a full pull. Whatever it might be, constantly looking back and going, I didn't do that well enough. That didn't go right. And before you know it, the goal's not that important. You've forgotten about the prize, and you've got no chance of winning it anyway because you're too bothered about what went wrong in the race beforehand. And life can be like that too, can't it? We've got an enemy who's constantly trying to tell us, don't you remember what you did? Don't you remember what you were like? How can you be here singing these songs remember how you talked yesterday that outburst that thought you had he's constantly doing that isn't he trying to take our eyes off the prize and say don't you remember and getting us to look behind so that we stop straining every nerve and uh, forward and don't press on and uh, we're going to sing a song later before the throne of God above and it says doesn't it in the second verse When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, he wants us to get our eyes down on earthly things, on the things that we've done in the past, Uh, times that he wants to make us feel guilty, he wants us to feel despairing. Um, He wants us to not feel worthy of God's love. He wants to distract us ultimately from seeing Jesus and having our eyes fixed on him. So how do we deal with this? Paul says, Upward, look upward, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It says it in um, Before the Throne of God, doesn't it? Upward I look and see him there, Jesus, who made an end to all my sin. All my sin. Doesn't matter if it was yesterday or five years ago or 25 years ago. It doesn't matter if it's the worst thing you've done or the smallest thing you've done wrong. It doesn't matter. He's made an end to all our sin. We look up, we see Jesus there, we see him who's lived the perfect life in our place, who's died the death that we deserve to die, who's been raised again from the dead so that we might be raised again too. We look up and we see him. We see him and we're reminded. We can strain towards the goal. Don't look behind. Strain forward to the goal, to the prize, to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, be reminded that, verse 20, you're, you're a citizen of heaven. You're seated with Jesus in the heavenly places. Be reminded that our destination is the new heavens and earth when Jesus returns. Remind yourself you're awaiting a saviour who's going to come and change this body that's decaying and can no longer even do 23.52. I mean, that's slower than I was when I was nine. <laughs> I'm only 37. <laughs> Body's just like falling apart. You must. You might be a picture of health, but it's it's not going to it's not going to last the course, is it? But Jesus' resurrection body will, and we've got a hope. We're awaiting for Him to come and give us those transformed bodies. 
Remind yourself that he's made an end to all your sin. uh, Before the throne of God goes on like this. Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace. One with himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high with Christ my Saviour and my God. When Satan tempts you to despair, when you get your eyes set on earthly things, look up and see him there. Behold the Lord Jesus. The other possibility he talks about in verse 12 is the other possibility is that you think you've won the race already. Paul says, I've not already obtained it. You think you've achieved the goal before it's even began and complacency gets a hold of you. The key to winning a a swim race, as I can tell you, having done it once, is when you're sat there, you need to think that this guy next to you can beat you. And actually, that's that's what I expected. To be honest, Matt was faster than me. He really should have won the race, but I beat him. Because it was, I can win this race. I genuinely thought I could win it. I knew he was faster, but I thought I could win it. And I won the race. But we can't... Uh, we don't want to get into a situation where we kind of think we've already won it, do we? Because it makes us complacent. We drift through life. That's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to lose focus in life. He wants us to get complacent, think we've arrived. Then there's no need to strain forward. There's no need to press on. There's a goal ahead and a prize, but you've already got it, so no worry about it. And you can, in a Christian life, basically think that you've got more than you have. Sometimes Christians talk about you just got to name it and claim it. And I just kind of, you know, just draw, I can just draw heaven down. You know, anything I want is mine. And I can just do it all the time. And it's not quite right. Because um, we can end up in this situation, we can drift through life, we think we already have everything that we, we need. Heaven is open to us. But if you think you've already arrived, you get complacent and you lose uh, focus. So what do we do? We strain towards the goal with every nerve giving everything, constantly looking up to behold Jesus. So the question is this. Do we regularly interrupt our own internal monologue to look upward? Because I don't know about you, but when I wake up and I get on with life, all sorts of things crowd in on my head. All sorts of pressures, expectations, all sorts of challenges and difficulties come flooding in, basically as soon as Sebi wakes up. (laughs) A five-year-old son, he's like a ball of energy at any time of day. And bang, life is just hitting you. And you're like, this flood of information. And if you, just, you can just end up trundling through the day, can't you? With your mind full of other stuff. Well, and what we need to learn to do is regularly stop ourselves and just look upward. And focus again. He's the one thing. He's my hope. He's my life. As we've been singing about this morning. Just stop the monologue going around. I mean, your monologue might, might be great. Mine can go some pretty horrible places. So it needs to be interrupted. And I need to be reminded of Jesus, all that he is and all that he's done for me. So whether that's a favorite song, just singing it. Maybe it's just picking up the Bible and reading a verse at intervals during the day just to go, I'm going to read a, a proverb or I'm going to read a psalm or whatever, or a verse. And just constantly get your attention up. Because, and otherwise you just end up walking around like this. You just lose focus, don't you? 
need to get our attention up. The Lord gives us perspective on life. So however you do that, do that in your day. Look upward. Focus again on the one thing. And the final thing, and this will be brief, is have a mature mindset. Stand firm. Verse 15, Paul says, this is what maturity looks like. And then he summarizes in verse 1 um, of chapter 4. Stand firm. Um, To really stretch the swimming analogy as far as it could go, uh, the thing that won the gold medal was the hard work beforehand, wasn't it? You've got to train yourself to win something. Up and down the pool every day, going up and down, up and down, up and down, practicing stroke and technique, getting it nailed, pushing your body to the limits, committing yourself to it. I can't say I was doing that at nine. Um, (laughs) But that's the principle, isn't it, of winning something, is you commit yourself to it. And it's no different in the Christian life, is it? Committing ourselves wholeheartedly to it. There's no... No point in kind of giving it a half effort. It's you just that's not you don't want to find joy in the journey doing that. The prize, give everything towards the goal, touching the wall first, um, and receiving the prize, knowing uh, the Lord, not setting our mind on earthly things, but working hard at looking upwards and seeing Jesus, and reminding ourselves time and time again, He will come again. That, that's one of the focus of the Christian life. Is he's the prize. One day he is going to come again. I will know him face to face. I will gain the prize. To live is Christ, but to die is gain, as Paul said earlier in the letter. Uh, do the band want to get ready? We're, oh, no, actually, I'm gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll come back in a second. Um, I listened to a song. Uh, I went to a, sorry, I went to a, an event prayer and fasting in London a couple of weeks ago and heard this song that some of the folk at the church in London had written and it was all based on this passage and I thought it'd be good for us to listen, Alec do you mind getting the video out for us? Um, I thought it'd be good for us to listen to it and just meditate on it and hear it and be encouraged by it and then uh, we're going to turn to each other at the end of the song I'm just going to encourage us to encourage one another with what we've just read this morning to pray for each other that we would stand firm, that we'd help keep our eyes on the prize, Jesus, that we would um, hold off all distractions to focus on him, that he would be the beautiful one we have that, who takes our breath away, so that all other beautiful things, whilst they are beautiful, don't grab our life's attention. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're coming again. We thank you you're coming again. We thank you there's going to be a day when you will return. Heaven will come down to earth. Our bodies will be changed and transformed to be like yours. And we'll live for eternity with you, our prize. Lord, that's our longing of our hearts, whether we're going through hard times, whether we're going well through the journey, whether we've got distracted. Lord, help get our attention again and our focus on you. You're our prize, Lord Jesus. You're the, long, the one that we long to know without measure. Um, we want to know you, Lord. Thank you for interrupting our lives, taking hold of us and making us your own. Um, yeah, help us fix our eyes on you, we pray in Jesus' name. <laughs>